0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
1: This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast Podcast. Best bits from Friday the 10th of November. Uh, the celebrations for Diwali starting in Ernest, uh, on the show this morning, Richard was bedecked in his best uh, Diwali finery. And we also spoke to Chandu Saroya, who's the MD of Saroya Jewellers and the Vice Chairman of the Dubai Gold and Jewellery Group. He came in to our pop up studio live from Dubai Commerce City uh, to tell us about the economics and the business side of all things Diwali. We had a big focus on all things China as well. Uh, To that end, we cross live to Shanghai to speak to the director of the Economist Intelligence Unit in Shanghai, Wei Seiji, who was giving us some thoughts on that big meeting uh, across over in San Francisco during the course of the next couple of days. We were pretty international this morning. I know we were down uh, live from Dubai Commerce City, but not only China. We also crossed live to India as well uh, to get the latest from uh, the head of business at SGI Aviation. Vinamra Longani, joined us to reflect on Emirates' record-breaking numbers coming out in Q3. Uh, and a lot of local news for you as well. We had our own reflection on those Emirates numbers, the Emar numbers, uh, and a the first-ever crypto IPO in the region. That's all right here on the Bite Size Business Breakfast as we broadcast one final time from Dubai Comma City.
0: This is the Bite-sized business breakfast exclusively
1: on Dubaii1038.com. Breaking news this morning landing uh, in uh, the inbox of Brandy Scott. News of that uh, latest crypto IPO.
2: Yeah, this is quite a biggie just because it's different. And you and I were sitting down this morning um, when we first heard about this Phoenix Group. It's based in Abu Dhabi. It's a blockchain and crypto company. Um, There were rumours about a month ago that it would be looking to go public in Abu Dhabi, which would make it the first private crypto uh, people to do so in the wider region. Um, And yes, it is going to. Let me give you the facts. IHC, Big Investment, Body out of Abu Dhabi has a 10% stake of this company.
3: Oh, now, 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 suddenly it becomes a big deal. IHC, almost a trillion dirham dollar company.
2: Exactly. So they took a 10% stake at the beginning of October. Uh, These shares go on sale. There's about 17.6% of the company that's being offered uh, next week, just under a week. So between the 16th and the 18th of no, of uh, November those in the market tell me the bulk of the offering is going to be reserved for professional investors which and again this is coming from those in the investment space um, I've said to them what does that mean they say well that kind of shows us that the firm wants to attract institutional investors who understand the the crypto space mm. basically um, <laughs> They also reckon that it's very likely, as we have seen with a lot of these offerings, although nothing is guaranteed that their offer size will be increased. Um, and of course, we've had all the regulatory standards put in place and all the bodies set up um, to to put the rules around crypto, uh, which is what's enabling something like this to happen. Abu Dhabi is going to be the beneficiary, that's where it lists. Um, it's, it's new, it's different, does this, give a lot more legitimacy to the, uh, the crypto space? Let's see.
3: It does indeed. And clearly, you know, you, you mentioned institutions like IHC, International Holding Company, Sheikh Tahnoon is the, uh, the chairman there. You mentioned the ADX. It absolutely mm-hmm. gives credibility. But then we must also remember that that getting a provisional license, a, it, it, that's not the precise term, but a provisional license was given to FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried's organization by the Dubai regulator, VARA, only a few months before that blew up. So just because you've got some kind of, whether it's regulatory or, or respectable organization that, that's involved with you, there are no guarantees there, but it absolutely gives them a level of credibility. I'm, I'm playing a LinkedIn profile with the founder, Bijan Alizadeh. Don't know much about him, Uh, He's only got three jobs on his experience on his LinkedIn profile and chief operating officer of Phoenix Group of Companies is one of them. Um, But we do know that he's been around a while because his education was at the American University of Dubai. He studied electrical and electronic engineering between April and March 2009 here in AUD in Dubai. So he's clearly been around a long time. He's got deep roots here.
2: Slight sideways on the deep roots. I was at an event yesterday. It was a debating event for high school students by a local law firm. And one of the lawyers was talking to me. We were at the University of Birmingham. They'd given the campus out in Academic City. Um, Was talking about the fact that he had gone to high school here. And now... Is a lawyer here and he was put him at late 20s early 30s and also got a message a couple of weeks ago from someone saying oh brandy you might be interested in the DES alumni since i was out there the other week speaking to some of their economic students uh, Dubai english speaking school now has people who have gone through the school gone to university got jobs here and have progressed in their careers far enough to be advising current desk students. And both of those things just made me think, like your man that you're talking about here, we have now evolved to the point that we've got the second generation of, of people going through jobs here who've got a different loyalty to the country than your normal expat. Do you know what I mean? Like normally you hire someone and you think, okay, how long are they likely to be in the country? Five years, 10 years? But for these professionals, it's not how long they're going to be in Dubai. Because even though their family origins might be, the lawyer was Italian, technically, he's grown up being raised in Dubai. So he's not taking a job for a bit before he goes somewhere else. He's come home. I just think that changes the recruitment game quite a bit.
3: Do you, do you, and, and, and on a similar note, I mean, but my wife went to our English high school here. Yes, yeah, so I, I feel that one as well. Um, do you, do you I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit this, but if someone gives you the phone number and it's 050, do you feel like you're part of a bit of a club?
2: <laughs> but the originals? You're the, yeah,
3: the OGs, because when we arrived, late 90s, early 2000s, there was only 050, wasn't there? And as the population grew, then you got 056 and whatever else it may be. But if you're 050, it's like, yeah, the 050 club, is that just me?
2: No, well, I can't say I, I'm not one of these people who walks around looking at a mobile number and says, ooh, nice number, which is also how you know you've been in, in the golf a little bit too long.
3: Yeah, there, there's also that. Tom, are you 050? Uh,
2: allegedly, yeah.
3: <laughs> you don't have to get the other seven digits out. Um,
1: I don't know, yeah. Available for cost. Seems to be a morning of personal information, so <laughs> throw it out there, why not? <laughs> um, I think you can buy the 050s, though. I've got a couple of mates who've just relocated um, here, and they've bought 050 numbers. Why would they do that? For exactly the, the reason I think Richard was showing. I think uh, so, To look
2: longevity-wise. Yeah,
1: I think it's one of those sort of um, gives you a little bit of kudos of having been here for a bit longer. That you pay a premium. You pay a big premium. It's interesting. Um, We've got numbers to crunch as well Dubai Emirates Group uh, saying yesterday that its half-year profit jumped by 138% to $2.7 billion, uh, driven by a robust demand for international travel across regions. Uh, global aviation industry, obviously bouncing back, fully recovered from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, we are live from the Dubai Air Show uh, or the, uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 edges of the Dubai Air Show for the whole of next week. It's going to be noisy, that's for sure. But Dean, it's not the only Emirates story making news today.
3: Oh, I love this one out of the national. Clearly the big Emirates story was the earnings, uh, but this one's doing the rounds as well. Emirates to launch luggage made of upcycled aircraft interiors. They've been tarting up some of the older A380s, but that means you can of ripping stuff out and throwing it away only you're not because they're going to release a line of limited edition luggage and accessories made of materials from retrofitted aircraft there are suitcases backpacks handbags but also smaller things like card holders toiletry bags you can even get a belt and a pair of shoes and they're made in-house Emirates has a tailoring division in-house uh, and they make, and they're the ones who look after the aircraft. I mean, they've got hundreds of these things that are constantly you know repairing and fixing seats and bits of fabric or bits of leather. And so they've got all this material, and they're upcycling and recycling. It's not on sale yet, so we don't know how much it costs, uh, but it is going to go on sale next year. I'd love some of that.
2: You should sit, I'll show you the pictures. The pictures are fabulous. For the backpacks, they're actually using the seat seat belts for the straps.
3: It looks really cool. They've done it beautifully. I have to say they've done it really nicely. They might even become collector's items. They gonna, say
2: it's limited edition merch.
3: Uh, I'm going to flip
0: them. They'll be all debizzled by lunchtime when I get them.
1: Uh, right, time for us to see what's happening on the roads of the UAE on a Friday morning.
0: Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite sized Business Breakfast.
2: Let's look at one of those top stories in a little bit more detail. The Emirates earnings, record first half year profits, the best financial results for the half of any year that the airline group has had Vinamra Longani is head of business for India at SGI aviation he joins us on the line now Vinamra, good morning
4: good morning and thank you for having me on the show again
2: so I mean there would be something wrong if Emirates had not had a good first half to their financial year given demand at the moment and ticket prices can you then put these Uh earnings in context for us Given the landscape, how good are they?
4: Well, you see, the thing is, uh, what what Emirates has managed to do, and which is where a lot of uh, airlines elsewhere in different parts of the world uh, continue to struggle with, is to be able to get grounded aircraft back in the air. Uh, And, you know, and that is uh, and that reflects in these numbers. And while, you know, not all A380 aircraft are back in the air at Emirates, so, you know, this. I mean, had had the entire fleet been back in the air, and that's because of various reasons, you know, hiring enough pilots or crews or, you know, getting the aircraft up and running because of supply chain issues, the lack of parts, et cetera. But, but you see, uh, they've been able to do that in record time. And because of that, you know, the numbers look like what they are. So, so yes, I mean these. I mean it's just a reflection of you know uh, forward the forward thinking management who who could see uh, a, a huge rebound, you know, on their hands. A lot of airlines did not see this coming. Uh, I mean so much so OEM like Airbus and and Boeing did not see this coming. So we, which is why we have supply chain issues in this industry and we will continue to have those for years. I mean so much so the first A350 for Emirates has been delayed by almost a year. But but yes, overall, to answer your question, uh, full marks to the management for seeing, uh, you know, for having uh, the insight that there is a boom coming and, and for being able to cash in on it, basically.
2: Talk to me about how Emirates has managed to do it, given that they've had some of the same constraints as other airlines. You know, they've had to rehire. Uh-huh. Um, they've had to pull planes back up, get them serviceable, get people's hours back up again. Is it just that uh-huh. they started
4: earlier? Exactly. No, and and more importantly, I think you know, uh, see, there is always an element of risk with planning, uh, for you know, for something like this, and and with aviation, there's an element of risk uh, with with everything pretty much because the industry is impacted by so many external factors. But they they of course could see uh, that you know demand is going to come back uh, well rapidly, and 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 and, and they ensured that you know uh, they they put the resources required to rehire. Uh, pilots. I mean, I know for, I, I know a friend who was laid off uh, by Emirates uh, during the COVID crisis. And as soon as, you know, there was an opportunity, they reached out to him and they were very happy to have him back. And I'm sure that was done with hundreds of people. So, so and, and that also is a reflection of, you know, the kind of employer they are. You know, yes, people were laid off during the COVID crisis, but I know, for, I know so many people, as soon as they heard from Emirates, they were more than willing to get onto the next flight and get back to Dubai and do what they did best. So, so, yes, overall, this is just great management. Uh, and, and, you know, kudos uh, to everybody at Emirates for pulling this off.
2: Okay, well, let's have a look at profit margins here. We've got, for the airline Mm -hmm. itself, um, profits up by 134%. We've got numbers about passengers, that's up 30%. The revenue itself, a 19% growth, and cargo coming in at 11%. We know it's been a a softer six months for cargo. Where are you seeing Mm -hmm. that profit margin coming from in these numbers for
4: Well, more importantly, you know, uh, fuel uh, clocked in uh, slightly lower than expected. So I think uh, some of that came from there. And the other one really is, you see, everyone just back to flying and capacity is still constrained, you know. Uh, and I think, uh, and of course, you know, you cannot take away from the fact that Emirates, for instance, is the airline of uh, preference for a lot of people. I mean, I'll give you an example of where we are in India. You see, the India-UAE bilateral is constrained uh, by the number of seats so so there's only so many seats Emirates has been able to, you know, fly to India, and that hasn't changed for, for almost a decade. So what's happening now is Emirates is charging considerably more for these seats out of India. I mean, I know for a fact you don't really see a saver fare on Emirates most of the times of the year when you want to fly uh, to Dubai or beyond. So that's again, uh, you know, I mean, if an airline can command a premium for their services, and, and in this case, rightfully so, because they are a well-run airline, and the product is top-notch. That's when you know, you know, that's what happens uh, when when you see numbers like this. So when people are paying over and above, not just to fly, but to fly via Dubai or fly with Emirates. So I think that's where that, that that's that's another key consideration uh, as to why these numbers look like the way they do.
2: So, where do you see it going next six months for, for Emirates? Where do you see the the challenges and the demand in what fills the planes, both in people and in cargo?
4: Well, so in my opinion, you see these record fares are not sustainable. So, you know, uh, th- there is going to be a slight drop in these fares as you know, uh, as, as revenge travel, as we've discussed over the years, dies down, and, and more so because of just inflation and you know. Uh, Just the the crisis that the world faces, I mean, you know, we've got two ongoing, well, I don't even know if one should call it a war, but that's what it is. Uh, So there are various external factors. Uh, Yes, the fares should fall. But again, like I said, you know, Emirates will continue to command a premium. They should be able to get uh, a couple of more A380s back in the air. The first A350s coming. So there's enough happening at Emirates to keep people glued into them.
2: What about competition coming down the line? I mean, obviously, for plane deliveries, some of it's still some way off, but coming out of India um, with the massive orders that we've seen there and coming out of Saudi Arabia with the new airline?
4: You see, uh, again, what what Dubai, the, the government of Dubai has done, really, is, you know, they've, and while it's great to have connecting traffic and people connecting from Dubai to the rest of the world, Dubai in itself is, is such a massive destination and it's not just a tourist destination i mean from india there's some indians who work there and there's a lot of business between the two countries if i'm not wrong uh, you know uh, i think the uae now is the second or third largest trading partner for india so there's just ample traffic uh, for for Emirates to sort of like, you know, cash in on. Well, the fares may go down, but the, the airline has a strong cash position with, with $11.6 billion uh, and that's U.S. dollars. So that's a considerable sum of money. So much so that they even managed to repay uh, $9.2 billion of COVID-related loans taken from the government. So, so, uh, so, I mean, everyone said this over the years and, you know, Dubai mm-hmm. is synonymous with Emirates and Emirates is synonymous with Dubai. I mean, and I think that's just going to remain the way it is for the foreseeable future.
2: Vanamrao Longani, head of business for India at SGI
0: Aviation. Thank you for your time. Just the highlights. This is the bite-sized business breakfast.
3: Big summit of Asia Pacific economies happening in San Francisco. Let's cross live to China now to get some insight. Wei Xi Ji is an economist. He's director with the Economist Intelligence Unit in Shanghai. Now joins us live. Wei Xi, good morning. Ni Hao.
5: Good morning, Richard. Thanks.
3: Thanks for being with us today. Let's start with the the big question about the meeting this weekend. The APEC meeting summit begins properly on Saturday and goes on for a few days. We know Joe Biden's gonna be there. He's effectively hosting it. But the headline in the South China Morning Post, which we like is, will Xi or won't Xi? Xi Jinping has not confirmed his attendance yet. What are you learning?
5: Well, that's very typical for Chinese uh, foreign policy practice. Uh, we normally do not announce our top leaders' agenda before, like the event, uh, probably the night before the event. So we are now pretty sure that President Xi will be attending uh, the APEC meeting happening this weekend, and, and also will be meeting with Joe Biden in person for the first time in a year.
3: What's going to be on the
5: agenda? Well, I think this two. Uh, leaders will be speaking with others on a, ver- uh, a various of topics uh, ranging from uh, national security, expert controls, a- as well as uh, areas where these two countries can cooperate, such as climate issues, as well as uh, reinforced regional security issues. Because there are actually mutual needs for both parties uh, to talk to each other, uh, especially I think the United States is expecting to resume uh, Talks some military issues with uh, w- with China which has been cut off uh, since uh, Miss Pelosi's w- uh, visit to Taiwan uh, in August last year and uh, but from uh, from from the perspective of China, Chinese uh, authorities are really eager to show Western uh, business leaders uh, our strong willingness to remain open to uh, foreign direct investments uh, after China. Uh, exit from zero COVID policy and uh, at at this moment we're experiencing a weaker than expected uh, economic recovery. Therefore, rebuilding the confidence of foreign investors is essential to China. So there are mutual needs from both sides for them to meet. And uh, yeah, we are definitely expecting something essential coming out of this meeting.
3: Reuters and other news outlets reporting that there is a bit of a thawing in relations between the United States and China. We're the business breakfast, so we look mostly at the economics. And I think pretty much as we speak in San Francisco, ahead of the big meeting, you've got Janet Yellen, the US Treasury Secretary, meeting with, as I understand it, the Chinese Deputy Premier, He Lifeng. It's It's a meeting on the sidelines, but that's two very senior economic figures within both administrations. What do we know about this? What might they be talking about?
5: Well, I think given uh, the Secretary Yellen's position, definitely she's going to be talking with uh, uh, Mr. He Lifeng uh, about the issues with uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, Treasury bonds as China recently has been selling out, uh, selling uh, a large amount of U.S. Uh, Treasury bonds, and uh, which is adding pressure. On the uh, on the U.S. Uh, debt uh, issues at this moment, I think uh, that China is uh, is willing to talk with uh, Secretary Yellen about this issue, to showing um, a, a a open attitude uh, to work with the United States to, to address this issue, and and also to show a willingness that uh, Mr. Xi uh, is willing to talk uh, with uh, President Biden uh, on a variety of uh, of issues and topics. Could we talk more broadly about the health or otherwise
3: of the Chinese economy at the moment? Because we've had mixed messages this week, and they happened in the middle of the week. On Wednesday, we had, on the one hand, Chinese export data was worse than expected, down by 6%. But on the other hand, the IMF was in town, and they raised their GDP forecast for China from this year. It was 5%. They raised it to 5.4%. Gita Gopinath is former chief economist at the IMF. She's now been promoted to first deputy managing director. This is her talking about the Chinese economy, but she did begin by highlighting some of the risks. Let's have a listen to what she had to say. Three risks. One, the property sector. Second, local government debt. And third, small and medium-sized banks. Clear recognition of that. We're looking to see what exactly would be done in terms of concrete measures. That's one area. But of course, for China, there is the bigger concern also of where will medium-term growth come from. We have medium-term growth for China at around three and a half percent. However, we think that, you know, that number can be raised if they undertake
5: pro-market structural reforms.
3: What do you make of the Chinese economy at the moment? How are you at the EIU characterizing it?
5: Well, we definitely see that there are uh, significant trends of stabilization and even potentials for more significant recovery towards uh, the the last two months of the uh, uh, of the of the year at this moment. for instance, we are now revising up as well our forecast of China's four year GDP growth from five point two percent previously to five point five percent. and probably, and uh, we're we're now looking at a growth forecast of 5.1% next year. So we are more optimistic than uh, than before uh, from uh, from the perspective of the EIU, uh, mostly depend uh, mostly because of we are seeing stronger uh, consumer expenditure uh, and consumption from the private sector uh, in the second half of the year, especially starting from the third quarter of this year. And we think that this is going to. Uh, sustain uh, through the next, uh, through at least the, the first half of the next year, supporting our forecast. Uh, but at this moment, we do acknowledge that uh, the property sector remains the biggest drag and the, uh, the largest risk uh, to our forecast at the moment.
3: Finally, Wei Ji, let's talk about those Chinese consumers and their propensity to travel here to Dubai, the UAE and the wider region. We know that all the COVID restrictions are lifted, but anecdotally, it's been a trickle rather than a flood of Chinese tourists into Dubai since they were lifted. What do you know and when can we expect to see large volumes of Chinese tourists traveling, not just here, but to other destinations, the United States, Europe, wherever else it may be?
5: Yeah, Chinese outbound tourists uh, actually were uh, the, the the recovery trend was uh, I mean weaker than we expected, but some of the reasons are the uh, restrictions imposed uh, from the uh, foreign authorities, such as visa application process and uh, the the still very limited uh, flights uh, between uh, China and the U.S. and China and E.U., for instance. And uh, now we are seeing a a, a trend of uh, of of an increasing back to normal level. For instance, the, uh, the speed up of visa application from Western countries, as well as um, uh, more uh, flights are being resumed between China and the United States in the uh, incoming in months. And I think that's gonna help tremendously uh, to increase the Chinese outbound tourists uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to Europe and to the United States, especially starting from early next year. And we're expecting actually a a substantial recovery of Chinese outbound tourists to the rest of the world, including Dubai, of course, uh, during the the, uh, upcoming Spring Festival here in China.
3: Well, the red carpet is ready and waiting to be rolled out when those flights do arrive from your hometown of Shanghai and others. wei busy time for you. We'll let you get back to work. Wei-Zhi-Zhi is an economist with the Economist Intelligence Unit in Shanghai. This is
0: the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on Dubaii1038.com.
1: Richard Dean's Diwali celebrations have started early. He's left us. Apparently he's outside
3: morning tom yeah diwali this weekend traditionally a time of buying gold for many indians many people generally but particularly people who are celebrating diwali joined outside here at commerce city by a veteran of the dubai gold suit chandu Saroya. he's the owner of Saroya jewelers also he's the vice chairman of the dubai gold
6: and jewelry group he's with us now Good to see you, Chandu. Happy yeah. Diwali. Uh, good morning and happy Diwali and uh, happy Dhanteras to all the li- listeners and viewers.
3: Well, you yeah. mentioned Dhanteras there because Diwali goes on for a few days. The main Diwali is on Sunday. Yeah. Tomorrow is what we call Choti Diwali, small <laughs> Diwali, but today is Dhanteras, yeah. And uh, my, my wife's Indian, my family's Indian. This is the auspicious day for buying gold, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh,
6: you see, uh, traditionally, the Indian Hindu can- uh, calendar believes that Dhanteras is one of the most auspicious day to buy jewelry. And if you buy jewelry or any important thing in your life could be a j- article of jewelry could be even a car uh, they they buy this because of the auspiciousness yes and then dhanteras is followed by the after t- tomorrow diwali and then it ends on uh, bhaiduj uh, the second day after the, uh, the diwali so generally dhanteras is 2 days before diwali
3: so, busy day down in the gold suit today. That yes. goes without saying, but maybe not quite as busy as last year. The World Gold Council, I mentioned this earlier, say they think gold demand will be down by 10% this year because the gold price is about 200 maybe even $300 more expensive than this time last year. What do you make of that?
6: I, I agree with the World Gold Council when they talk about the demand being do- down, but maybe that is in terms of the bullion industry and the invest- investment industry. When it comes to jewelry, you know, a festive occasion like uh, Diwali, is the preparation time for any marriage. So, you know, anybody would want to buy a bigger set, they have the best collection available in town right now because all the jewelers prepare for it. And uh, if you wanted some exclusive pieces, now is the time to buy. In fact, it it is a fantastic time right now because gold was at its peak during this month and uh, now it has come down a little bit. So, you know, for for example, in the Dubai markets, uh, gold was at 226 dirhams per gram in 22 carat. Today it is down to 218.25. So, you know, I, I believe this is a fantastic time to buy jewelry fantastic collections and overall there is a lot of promotions happening you know every big jewelry retailer as uh, having their own promotions where they give away free gold coins on purchases of a certain amount they, when you uh, buy diamond jewelry there is another promotion happening and the dubai golden jewelry group is having a joint promotion for all the participating jewelers where you can win up to 150,000 dirhams w- uh, worth of vouchers uh, for jewelry so i i think it's a win-win for all and uh, better time to buy now than tomorrow what about exporting to india a huge part of
3: your business is the wholesale business and we've spoken before about to put my business breakfast hat on rather than my diwali hat on for a second we've spoken before about this free trade agreement or this trade agreement that india and the uae did about 18 months ago now and it has had an impact on gold sales from Dubai going into India. Just remind us what changed and then tell us what the impact has been. You
6: know, the, the SEPA was a win-win for both the countries. Uh, the UAE allowed a free, uh, duty-free import of any jewelry made in India when it comes to the jewelry industry. And India gave a 1% discount over the customs duty the prevalent custom duty into India. So it's a win-win for both the countries, and yes, uh, Dubai has always been one of the largest supplier of bullion to India, and this has actually enhanced our position because all the refineries here are now busy because made in UAE, bars are uh, 1% uh, um, less duty in it to India. So it's, it's a win-win for both the countries.
3: We talk about the Dubai gold souk, but it's almost kind of a, a metaphor, isn't it, for the wider industry. You've got four shops in Dubai, but actually your manufacturing, where you turn the bullion into jewelry, is in Sharjah. What's the dynamic in Sharjah?
6: You see, I, I believe the whole of UE is a gold souk. Because you could uh, go to any emirate and you will find a fantastic collection of uh, jewellery stores and generally they are all in clusters. So a uh, souk means a cluster of uh, shops and I think um, every every place you go, in fact in Dubai there is many, many gold souks now, many small clusters of jewellery and everybody offers fantastic uh, offers. So I believe the whole country has become a gold souk and we are one of the most uh, uh, important places in the world when it comes to jewelry I, I believe uh, that Dubai is the jewelry destination of the world you mentioned wholesale uh, we sell as a uh, Saroya we sell to about 30 countries plus and uh, from the gold souk I believe we have jewelry for every nationality in the world and many of the jewelers worldwide come here to source their jewelry So it is indeed the gold hub of the world. How busy is, for jewelry sales, retail
3: jewelry sales, how busy are you this weekend Diwali weekend compared to any other weekend a couple of weekends ago or a couple of weekends hence
6: uh, you see generally or traditionally during Dhanteras our sales are almost ten times on a normal day ten times Yes, generally you see there's a there's a reason for that there's a build-up see people come they select jewelry they book it and then at the end of it they make the invoice on the Dhanteras day because it is the auspicious but day. they've
3: been in a few weeks beforehand to choose it so it's yes, ready for yes. them
6: many of them do that they order jewelry also to custom yeah.
3: Chandu, it's a busy time for you. I'm going to let you get back to deera Well, we're deera side here in Commerce <laughs> City, so yeah. it's not far to go. I'll let you get back to the gold suit. Appreciate you joining us this morning.
6: Thank you. Happy Diwali. Thank Chandu you so very much. much indeed. And once again, a happy Diwali and a happy Dhanteras to all the viewers and listeners.
3: My mother-in-law's Thank in you. town. Believe me, we're <laughs> going to be down there today spending some money on some gold. I can promise <laughs> you that. The thoughts of Chandu Soroya from Soroya Jewelers, also <laughs> the Dubai Gold and Jewelry Group.